Hello, my name is Maurice Harker. What you're about to listen to is a clip from a live training session with either an individual or a group who are anxiously engaged in recovering their marriages. Please listen to several of the recordings in this podcast, and then, when you are ready, seriously consider attending the live weekly trainings from your home via webinar. My ability to provide enough individual and marriage therapy sessions has become very limited, so I created the marriage repair workshops so I could serve more people at a lower cost for you. So please, when you're ready, investigate your options at www.lazaruslectures.com. That's L-A-Z-A-R-U-S-L-E-C-T-U-R-E-S.com. I look forward to meeting you and to serving you well. I would love to play a part in decreasing your pain and increasing your happiness. See you soon. If you really think about it, those of you who've worked really hard to have a good developmental relationship with God, right? He has worked for many thousands of years to talk about truth with you in an edifying fashion. When there's something difficult you need to work through, he does so in an edifying way. He doesn't slam you with it. He doesn't throw you down unless you're being a butthead, okay? So there's a whole different rule book for buttheads. But let's assume that you're anxiously engaged in learning things. But he also withholds a lot of information from you because, of, yeah, it's going to take you 10 years to fix that one. It's going to take you 20 years to fix that one, et cetera, et cetera. Let me give an example in my own personal life as a therapist. When I started my work, now that I look back on what I was like when I first started, I am mortified by my shallow empathy level when I started. My tendency to joke at the wrong time, my tendency to be offensive, to be lack compassion and lack empathy. And I just hold my head going, why did anyone ever come back to me as a therapist, especially women? Like, dude, you were a wreck at that time. Now, if God showed me all of my weakness all at once, I would have said, screw it. I can't ever be a therapist. I will never have what it takes to be a therapist. I'm too much of a mess. But because he compensated for me at the time with all of, okay, I got to cover him in this way. I got to cover him in this way. I got to cover him in this way. I ran into a woman that I actually was a therapist with back then, and I ran into her 10, 12 years later. And she laughed about it. She goes, you were the most arrogant, insensitive therapist I've ever met. And I'm all, you're, you're kidding, right? You kept coming back. And she's all, I know. And I still don't know why I kept coming back. And I'm all, what? She goes, you helped me in a lot of ways, but I really had to overlook your issues to do so. And I'm all like, wow. Okay, brethren, God was compensating for my weaknesses while I was trying, trying to be of service to somebody. He's going to do the same for you, and you need to join him in being patient with her weaknesses. To tell a woman the truth of what's wrong with her or anything else more forcefully than God would, I don't think you want to carry that kind of responsibility. Hey, woman, God's not showing this to you, so I will. Bam! The Holy Ghost isn't revealing the truth to you, woman, so I'll do it for him. May I recommend you don't try to be smarter than God when it comes to giving a woman feedback.
Okay. She might do it wrong because she might go, I'm okay giving you feedback. That's between her and God. Okay. But brethren, please, I beg of you, do not have the arrogance to give a woman feedback. Okay. When only a God is the one who can give it to her accurately. All right. God would not say anything. Oh, oh, he may say, I'm not going to give any feedback right now. I don't know. I have just learned don't get between God and his daughters. That is a bad idea. All right, let's move on, brother. Fear. There's usually fear when a young man and young woman meet. It is usually described as anxiety. For some, this is an unpleasant feeling strong enough to keep them from dating. For others, it is an, an ignorable inconvenience. For those of you re-entering season one, you're going to probably need, let's see, you both of you probably have plenty of reason to be afraid. If you fear, you still, if the fear you feel is still crippling you, then it would be wise to return to season four. So let's look at yourselves as brethren and ask, is your, do you have a list of things that you know you need to be doing as you enter season one? Are you sharing your DPARs with her? Are you even doing DPARs? Do you have some type of a developmental system in place? And do you have a way to share them with her if you have not been doing so? All right. If you're scared to share them, either she's too dangerous and it's not time because she needs to finish season four work or you're going to need a little more courage, right? Does that mean she's supposed to be reading them? It's not up to you what she does with them. You just make them available. The next most common one, inviting the wife on dates. Okay, let's make sure we understand what a date is. A date is not let's go to a movie and make out afterwards. That's not what a move, a date is. A date is when you invite her to do something specific, usually on the earlier levels, just like first dates. Hey, I'd like to take you for an ice cream. I'd like to go for a walk with you. I'd like to do something small and simple. And if you can predict she's going to say no and you don't do it, you're not ready for season one yet. You do it anyway. Because part of what they're doing is how is his consistency? Can he invite me to do stuff with any consistency? So, guys, don't use the logic of why do something that's not going to get good results. If you're going for a miracle, you schedule, you should be. If you're thinking you're ready for season one, you just do it at least once a week with at least three days advance notice. All right. Shall we um, practice what was included? If you haven't done this before, let's write down what is included when you ask a girl to a date. Number one, you ask for a specific time and date. You do not say, how about sometime this weekend? That is not asking a girl on a date. Okay? Asking a girl on a date means a specific time on a specific day. How about Saturday at 4? If you really want to ask a girl out, think about in high school, you always have a backup time in case she's not available at that time. You know what? I have a appointment with my proctologist at that time. Would you have a different time in mind? Use like some people don't know what a proctologist is. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Then you give a second option. Next thing, you don't ask, what do you want to do? When you ask a girl on a date, you already have a plan. You already have a good idea of what you're going to do. What if she doesn't want to do it? I don't know if you know this about girls' psychology, but one of their favorite things about going out on dates is they get a tag along with someone else who's already done all the thinking. Most girls, when they go on dates, they don't want to make the plan. If she's been a mother for a little while, she's already done enough planning all week long. She just wants to tag along. Besides, she needs to know what she's supposed to wear. 
is she supposed to wear a dress or does she wear Levi's? Does she put her hair up in a ponytail or does she curl her hair? Does she wear makeup or no? You don't tell her what to do. You just tell her what the activity you plan to do is so that she can dress appropriately. Now, in the future, we're going to be talking about the different levels of intimacy, and we're going to be dressing for an emotionally intimate date, a psychologically intimate date, a spiritually intimate, a physically intimate date. So you're going to, you always want to start with just a verbally intimate date with some cognitive intimacy. We aren't talking about that yet, but the short version of that is your discussion of where you hope things will go someday. And talk about taking a risk. You're talking to a woman who's sitting across from you, half scowling and barely able to sit across from you. And you say, babe, I have a dream. I got a dream. We're going to be holding hands and skipping on the beach. And you're going to love me. And you're going to like me. And I'm going to show respect for you. And it's going to be glorious. And there will come a day when you say, you are my favorite man on this planet. Now, she might throw up in her mouth at this time, but you've got to sound a little on the crazy side. We are inviting women on a journey that is high risk and scary for them. You should sound a little bit like Christopher Columbus when he was talking the king and queen of Portugal into putting money down towards a boat and a journey. You should sound a little bit like Martin Luther King Jr., You should sound a little bit like Gandhi. You should start being able to say, I have a dream. And guys, just so you know, it will get shot out of the sky like skeet shooting for the first few times. And she needs to know if you are consistent enough that you want that dream, even if it's hard. I have a dream. So, brethren, I give you more details on this, but I want to make sure I'm uh, accommodating what you need most. Ask yourself. Are you asking her out at least once a week? Are you offering specifics? If you're not doing this because you're scared of what she's going to do, if you're scared of what she's going to say, right? There are some cases, and some of you I know personally, you might have some special circumstances. I'm not going to tell everyone what those are because men have a tendency to go, oh, I must be one of those special circumstances. In almost every case, there is no special circumstances. Even if it's like skateboarding, even if you ask her and you get skinned knees 49 out of 50 times, please do it anyway. Please ask anyway. Three days in advance or more. Time, day, what to wear, how long, when you're going to have her home, and don't change the plan. Don't say, oh, um, let's go out for two hours, and then I'll keep you out six hours. Don't do that. Hello, you've just finished listening to one of our episodes of Memoirs of an LDS Therapist. It's important to me that you have a chance to get more and more of these principles. We kept this brief because you probably have a busy life, but there's so much more. So please listen to the rest of these episodes and look for ways to apply them to your life. And ready f- when you're ready for some deep and complex training, please look us up at lifechangingservices.org, specifically the marriage repair workshops and the Lazarus lectures. I look forward to seeing you in those more advanced trainings.